Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Reckless. As I had burned through my collection of childhood books, I started to go around my house looking for other things to read as a kid. I stumbled across my family's large collection of old magazines, and I remember bringing piles of National Geographic and Popular Mechanics out of the basement and into my room to start reading them. Then I started to notice books in weird places around the house, and I would gather those up and develop my own little library in my room of more adult books. There were popular books around the house, books like Jaws that I would read for the first time quite excitedly and then would be terrified for days later. I was obsessed with finding books. I kind of wanted to bring all of the written words in our house into one area, which was my area. And after scouring the basement and everybody's rooms, eventually I asked if I could go to see if there were any books in the attic. My mother said there's probably some old magazines up there. So I pulled the wood ladder down that allowed me to climb up into the attic and I started poking around. And in one box I did find magazines. I also found a couple of books, books I'd never seen before. There was a lot of science fiction paperbacks and one hardcover book that would become an obsession of mine. It was Dagon and Other Macabre Tales by H.P. Lovecraft. It had a torn dust jacket with some crazy looking guy who was stabbing a whale and fish bones, and I had no idea what I was looking at here. I also want to point out that I did not pronounce it Dagon. I pronounced it Dagon for the longest time. Well, I brought these books down out of the attic and went to my mother to ask where Dagon had come from, and she thought it belonged to my father. I thought, well, let me take a look at this book. I remember kind of leafing through it, and let me pull out the book here, and going straight to Dagon and noticing it seemed really dense looking, all these words. And then I read, I am writing this under an appreciable mental strain, since by tonight I shall be no more. Penniless, and at the end of my supply of the drug which alone makes life endurable, I can bear the torture no longer, and shall cast myself from this garret window into the squalid street below. I didn't know what garret window meant, but the tone of this hooked me because it was unlike anything I had read before. And I would pore over this book until it was tattered and falling apart, and yet I still hauled it around with me for years afterwards, and anyone who would want to talk about H.P. Lovecraft with me would get an earful. It was an introduction to a different type of horror, one I didn't really fully understand, and one I didn't realize was so influential on the horror that had been taking shape over the last couple of decades. I still don't know why this book was in our collection. It seemed really out of place, but I'm glad it was there because it opened up weird fiction and horror to me in ways that I was never comfortable with before. I really lost sleep when I read Jaws, but when I read H.P. Lovecraft, I just couldn't stop turning the page again and again. A lot of it was so clever, and even when it was dense and wordy, I felt like I was listening to a really sophisticated symphony, something I might not understand fully, but just getting hit with that wave of sound 
just seeing these wall of text and diving into it made me kind of emotional. Years later, I would learn more about H.P. Lovecraft and even get to see some of his work translated into film, which of course I had to see. On today's show, I'd like to talk to you probably about the most well-known of the translations of H.P. Lovecraft to the big screen, and that is the 1985 film Reanimator. We'll talk about the people behind the scenes of the film. We'll talk about the original work it's based on. We'll talk about its reception, its sequels, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. Reanimator is a 1985 comedy horror film that is very loosely based on the 1922 H.P. Lovecraft story Herbert West Reanimator. It was directed by Stuart Gordon and stars Jeffrey Combs as Herbert West. We'll talk a little bit about the plot later. I just want to reiterate that this is very loosely based on the story, and so I think we'll talk a little bit about the story first, and of course, H.P. Lovecraft himself. Howard Phillips Lovecraft was born in 1890, passed away in 1937. He is a legendary writer of science fiction, horror, stories of the weird, and his best-known creation would be what would be known as the Cthulhu mythos eventually. Lovecraft was born in Providence, Rhode Island, and lived in the Northeast his entire life. He was born into a wealthy family, but his family's wealth went away after his grandfather passed away. Lovecraft developed a love of fiction and started to write stories. He would write short stories for publications that most people might not have heard of nowadays. Some of you might. Things like Weird Tales and would become kind of a centerpiece of a circle of people who were writing this new type of weird literature. I guess we would call weird stories more science fiction horror nowadays. Stories that you might have heard of that he wrote would include the Call of Cthulhu, At the Mountains of Madness, The Shadow Out of Time, and The Shadow Over Innsmouth. He would pass away of intestinal cancer at just 46. Now, Lovecraft might have disappeared from history at that point, but there were a lot of people he had mentored and a lot of people who had discovered his work. And people like August Derleth would not only have his work published, but would build upon the mythology that he started. And the reason that characters like Cthulhu have become pop culture figures at this point is because of the work of these people after Lovecraft's death. What they did with his work is what got it to a larger audience. In fact, almost all of his work was published in these pulp magazines before he died. Now you can find his work in softcover and beautiful hardcover books printed with forewords by academics who dedicate themselves to Lovecraft. I'm looking at one of these well-made books right now, and it is quite nice. 
real high quality. So the story that this particular movie is based on is called Herbert West Reanimator. It was a short story written by Lovecraft between October 1921 and June 1922. And I give you those dates because it was a serialized work that ran from February to July of 1922 and would appear in the publication Home Brew. It is one of the first stories to mention reanimated corpses that are reanimated via science that have zombie-like behavior, meaning they seem mindless and unpredictable. According to letters that Lovecraft wrote, the story is supposed to be a parody of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and he does put references to Frankenstein in the work. Despite it being popular, Lovecraft did not like the work. He only wrote it because he was being paid $5 for each installment of the story. One thing he disliked was to have how he should write dictated to him, and because this was serialized, each story needed to end with a cliffhanger, which was not something Lovecraft liked to include in any of his work. Lovecraft didn't like it, and a lot of scholars on the subject don't like it. Even fans of Lovecraft see it as not his highest work. And technically, maybe that's true. I'm not a literary critic, but it is very entertaining, even if it's not up to the standards of Lovecraft and the scholars that follow him. This is not an advertisement for a new movie. This is a warning. If you are squeamish, a victim of nightmares, or have a weak heart, know your fright motions before you see H.P. Lovecraft's classic tale of horror, Reanimator. Way beyond the possibility of any rating. It is entertaining, so it makes sense that they would turn it into a film. And to turn it into a film, you needed writers. And three people are credited with writing Reanimator, the film. Stuart Gordon, who was also the director of the film. Dennis Paoli and William J. Norris. Now, they had originally wanted to keep this story faithful to H.P. Lovecraft, but this went through many phases, and we'll talk about its development a little later. But ultimately, it becomes very loosely based on Lovecraft's original story. Dennis Paoli is a screenwriter best known for his work on horror films and working with director Stuart Gordon, who also co-wrote this. And he co-wrote or wrote five Stuart Gordon films, including Reanimator and From Beyond. He would also collaborate with Gordon on the stage production of Reanimator and Nevermore, An Evening with Edgar Allan Poe. Other credits he have include films like The Pit and the Pendulum, Body Snatchers, Ghoulies 2, and 2001's Dagon. William Norris is an actor who would appear in Reanimator and got a credit. He would also appear in The Pendulum in 1991. This is his only writing credit. And finally, the third writer of the film is the director, the creative mind behind a lot of this, Stuart Gordon. Stuart Gordon was born in 1947, passed away in 2020. He was a filmmaker, theater director, screenwriter. He is probably best known for Reanimator at this point. He was born in Chicago, and he got involved in experimental live theater at the University of Wisconsin in the 1960s. He would then take that back to Chicago and found a theater company there before moving to Hollywood in the 80s to get into movies. He was a fan of Lovecraft, and being a fan of Lovecraft, he would adapt several of Lovecraft's stories for the screen, 
In addition to Reanimator, he would do Dagon and From Beyond, as well as a TV episode of Masters of Horror, where he would do Dreams in the Witch House. So one night, years ago, Stuart Gordon was having a discussion with his friends about vampire films. They were discussing how there were just too many of them, so many Dracula films. Dracula's everywhere. And he said, wouldn't it be interesting if someone did a Frankenstein film? At that point, someone said, had you read Herbert West Reanimator? There are some Frankenstein elements in it. Now, while Gordon had read lots of Lovecraft, he decided he would read or reread the Herbert West Reanimator story, and he liked it and was going to adapt it to the stage. Remember, I said he started doing theater, but when he started to talk to Dennis Pioli and William Norris, they thought, why don't we turn this into a half hour television pilot? They would set it in the proper period, which was at the end of the 19th, early 20th century. But when they realized how expensive that would be to actually do a period piece, they thought, well, why don't we update it and set it in present-day Chicago? And then they could use the actors from the local theater that they were a part of to make it. At this point, someone said a half-hour format for such a thing would not be sellable. And so they switched it to an hour and began writing 13 episodes. It was special effects technician Bob Greenberg, who had worked with John Carpenter, who told Gordon that if you're going to make something that's horror, it's not going to make it to television, and that you have to try to turn this into a feature film. At this point, he was introduced to producer Brian Usna. Usna read through the 13 episodes that had been written for the show and said, why don't you shoot this in California? And so to California they went to start shooting Reanimator. Gordon had never done a film at this point, and he'd hired Mac Alberg, a Swedish film director and cinematographer, to work on the film as director of photography. And that turned out to be a really useful decision because Alberg was able to teach Gordon so many things. It became a very useful relationship and a learning opportunity. Gordon wanted to shoot the movie originally in black and white and on 16 millimeter to give the film a sort of grainy quality, but was ultimately talked out of that because it would limit its commercial viability. Principal photography began on November 28, 1984, and I've read varying statements on how long it took to make the film. It seems around 18 days of shooting which was 16 days of principal filming, and then two days of pickup shots, which is very fast, especially when you consider all of the makeup effects that were going to be used in this film. Because in the film, you have headless people and so much blood. According to producer Yuzna, the film has the sort of shock sensibility of an evil dead with the production values of hopefully the howling. And there is a lot of blood in the film and a lot of gore. Gordon and... The team behind the film used books on forensic pathology to bring realism to the corpses in the film. Nolan would say that they would use 24 gallons of fake blood in the film. And for many people who had worked on horror films before, it was the bloodiest film they had ever worked on. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the plot. But before I do, let me play you the trailer. I think you'll like it. Herbert West is at the top of his class in medical school. How can you teach such drivel? These people are here to learn, and you're closing their minds before they even have a chance. What are He's you? brilliant, but a little weird. I've broken the six to 12 minute barrier. I've conquered brain death. His experiments have always been unorthodox. It was dead. <laughs> I will. But lately, they're getting out of hand. 
And he's just made a discovery that could wake up the dead. Herbert West has affected reanimation in dead animal tissue. What are you thinking? How do you feel? You? 15 cc's of reagent being administered. Once you wake up the dead, you've got a real mess on your hands. Dead? Not anymore. Herbert West brought a lot of dead people back to life. And not one of them showed any appreciation. H.P. Lovecraft's classic tale of horror, Reanimator. Mr. West. You'll never get credit for my discovery. Who's going to believe a talking head get a job in a sideshow? It will scare you to pieces. That's good stuff. So this film is about Herbert West, played very ably by actor Jeffrey Combs, who has figured out a way to bring the dead back to life using a formula that he came up with. And he brings this formula and his studies of medicine to Miskatonic University in Arkham, Massachusetts. Miskatonic and Arkham are famous locations in H.P. Lovecraft literature. Miskatonic's first mention was in Herbert West Reanimator. So great that they worked it into the film. The building that they use for Miskatonic Medical School was also used in Terminator 2 Judgment Day as the headquarters of the Cyberdyne Corporation. So if you recognize it, you've probably seen T2. While West is at Miskatonic, he rents a room from a fellow medical student named Dan Kane and then creates his own laboratory in the basement. At this point, he demonstrates his ability to reanimate to Dan by bringing back Dan's dead cat, Rufus. When Dan tries to talk about how amazing West's creation is to the dean, they get barred from school. At this point, West and Dan go to the morgue, sneak in to try it on a human subject, hoping to prove that this reanimation technique works and save their medical careers. When they do inject the corpse, it does come back to life, but it's violent and zombie-like. Dr. Halsey, the dean, chances upon this reanimation, and in the chaos, he is killed, and he is injected with the reanimation potion and comes back to life, and the same thing happens. We then get introduced to Dr. Carl Hill, who is impressed with West's work and wants to steal his information. West kills and dismembers Hill and then reanimates him, but his head and body, which have been separated, actually work separately, and Hill's body knocks West unconscious. Dr. Hill, in his bodiless state, has the ability to control other reanimated corpses. Hill has captured Megan, who is Dan's girlfriend, and when they attempt to free her and confront Hill, chaos ensues. West injects him with more of his magic potion, and he starts to mutate and grabs West and Dan. Dan fleeing grabs West's information and more of his reanimating reagent, and while they're leaving, Megan gets grabbed by one of the corpses that attacks and strangles her. 
Dan takes her to the hospital emergency room, hoping to revive her, but it's too late. She's dead. Dan despairingly injects her, even though he should have learned at this point that this is not going to end well with some of West's reagent. And then as the film fades to black, Megan awakes and you can hear her screaming. End of film. It is an improbable storyline, but it's played very well. And a lot of it is because it has a really good cast. Top of that cast is Jeffrey Combs, who played Herbert West, and he would revive this role in two other films. Jeffrey Allen Combs was born in 1954. He's best known for his work on The Reanimator, but has also appeared in lots of other TV and films, including a bunch of memorable turns on several Star Trek series. His first role on Star Trek was in 1994, when he appeared on Deep Space Nine, and then would appear on Star Trek Voyager in 2000, Star Trek Enterprise in 2001, and Star Trek Lower Decks in 2021. He has played nine different on-screen roles in the Star Trek universe. Some great ones are Wayun, the Vorta in Deep Space Nine, Brunt, the Ferengi on that same series, and of course, Shran on Star Trek Enterprise. Shran is a great character for Enterprise and one of the real tragedies of the show getting canceled in the fourth season is that it was hinted that in the fifth season, he would become a regular on the Enterprise series. Sadly, it never happened. Combs is just a delight to watch. Whenever I see him, I get real happy. I was recently watching an episode of Jake and the Fat Man, and Jeffrey Combs shows up, and I think, well, this is going to be the best episode of Jake and the Fat Man ever. It turned out it was a very good episode. Bruce Abbott would play Dan Kane. Abbott was born in 1954, television stage actor. While he would appear in other films and television shows, Reanimator and the sequel Bride of the Reanimator are what he's best known for. Barbara Crampton played Megan Halsey. Crampton is an actress and producer, got her start on a soap opera, Days of Our Lives. And on television, she is best known for the role of Leanna Love on the soap opera The Young and the Restless, a role which scored her a Soap Opera Digest Award nomination for Outstanding Villainous in a Drama Series. I don't know why Outstanding Villainous is not an award given out by every award show. She made her film debut in 1984's Body Double, but her breakthrough role was in Reanimator in 85, and then would do some other great films like Chopping Mall, Puppet Master, From Beyond, and many more. David Gale played Dr. Carl Hill, born in Britain and then raised in New Jersey before running to New York at a youngish age. He had plenty of roles, but modern audiences are going to remember him as Dr. Carl Hill in Reanimator. Sadly, he passed away in 1991 due to complications during open-heart surgery. He was also a soap opera guy, appeared on The Secret Storm, The Edge of Night, and Search for Tomorrow. Rounding out the cast, you had Robert Sampson as Dean Allen Halsey, Caroline Purdy Gordon as Dr. Harrod, Al Berry as Dr. Hans Gruber. This Hans Gruber is not associated with the diehard Hans Gruber. It's several years before Hans Gruber, so... Just a strange coincidence. When the film was finally edited together, it had a original running time of two and a half hours. They had to cut that down, and they would eventually release an 87-minute cut. It was released on October 18th, 1985 in 129 theaters. 
During its opening weekend, it made $543,000 and eventually would go on to make just over $2 million in North America, which isn't bad because it had a budget of just $900,000. So what were you doing on October 18th, 1985? If you were going to the movies, here's what you might have seen. Now, I'm going to start off at number 14 because that is where Reanimator was that opening weekend. Then at 13, you had Marie. Number 12, The Journey of Natty Gan, which is actually what I think I was probably seeing that weekend. Number 11, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Number 10, Invasion USA. Number 9, After Hours. Number 8, Sweet Dreams. Number 7, Better Off Dead. Number 6, Agnes of God. Number 5, Silver Bullet. Number 4, Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. Number 3, Back to the Future. Number 2, Jagged Edge. And number 1, Commando. Quite a lot of competition that week, so you can't blame Reanimator for not making the top 10. But for the number of theaters it was playing in, it did pretty well. It was only 129, and the film that cracked the top 10, Invasion USA, was on 964 and made $1 million. So, you know, you double the number of screens Reanimator was on, and it might have cracked the top 10. Does this sound familiar? might sound a lot like the music from Bernard Herrmann's Psycho, but it's not. It's actually part of the score for the film Reanimator, which was composed by Richard Band, and its similarities are intentional. They wanted something that sounded Bernard Herrmann-esque, like what had been created for Psycho, and when you want something that sounds like another person's work, you often get something that sounds like another person's work. The score took about three and a half weeks to make and was recorded in Italy with the Rome Philharmonic. I say it was three and a half weeks. They had only budgeted for three weeks and so they had to go over by two days. Richard Band at this point had to invest his own money to make it happen. $1,500 to complete the score. The soundtrack would be released by Waxwork Records on vinyl if you're a collector of such things, but you can find it online as well. And it's quite an entertaining listen, so if you have the opportunity, you should check it out. It might be slightly derivative, but in a good way. Because can you really ever get enough of even the psycho music? And so, why not more? That's where Richard Howard Band enters the picture. He's a composer of film music and has worked on over 140 projects, including Reanimator and From Beyond. He would eventually start working on television shows as well, working on things like Stargate and Walker, Texas Ranger. But his credit list is something to behold. Lots of horror films. If you want something that sort of sounds like something else, Richard Band knows how to deliver. Say you're thinking, I could really use music by Danny Elfman, but I can't afford Danny Elfman prices. Pick up the phone and call Richard Band. Now, I kind of like this soundtrack. When it was released, film critic Leonard Malton penalized the film, taking a half of a star off of his review because the soundtrack, he said, was a blatant ripoff of the Psycho theme. Malton wasn't the only one who enjoyed the film. Roger Ebert gave the film three out of four stars, and he wrote, I walked out somewhat surprised and reinvigorated, if not reanimated, by a movie that had the audience emitted taxi whistles and wild goat cries. I don't know if I've ever been in a movie that has elicited wild goat cries. 
It was fairly well received by critics and is still pretty well received today. If you look at review sites and, of course, read blog posts, Reanimator generally shows up in horror fans' lists of films, and the film is available to stream. But if you like physical media, the film has been released on most major formats VHS, Laserdisc, Betamax, eventually released on DVD. They have a great Millennium Edition, which has a remastered picture and two commentary tracks with the entire main cast, except for David Gale, who had passed away. Really good, if you're a fan of the film, to listen to those. You get a lot of information. Also, just great to hear some of these people talk. When you get these releases, they did have different cuts of the film. There was an unrated theatrical cut and an R-rated version. The theatrical cut were for video stores that didn't have a policy against unrated films or more adult films. The R-rated version runs 93 minutes and is edited heavily, taking out a lot of the gore and a couple of subplots that I guess you could say slow the film down or take away some of the story of the film. Director Stuart Gordon said that he preferred the unrated version, so if you are a purist and want the director's vision of the film, you should get the unrated version if you could watch it. In 2013, they did a Blu-ray release in Germany of Reanimator that had something called the Integral Cut, where the material from the R-rated version and the unrated version were merged together to a 105-minute film. So if you're a super fan, you might want to check out the Integral Cut of the film. The film was popular enough to spawn two sequels, Bride of Reanimator and Beyond Reanimator. Now, if we go back to the story, the first film is loosely based on the first half of Lovecraft's original story. The second film, 1990's Bride of Reanimator, was based loosely, again, on the second half of Lovecraft's story. And the third film, which is aptly named Beyond Reanimator, tells a story outside of what Lovecraft wrote. The sequels were directed and written by Brian Usna. Both have Jeffrey Combs returning, and the story and bloody nature of the films stay intact, and they're enjoyable to watch, although I would say that the first film is the superior of the three by a good amount. There was always talk that there would be a fourth movie, and Brian Usna mentions in the book Lurker in the Lobby, a guide to the cinema of H.P. Lovecraft, that One idea was a story that would have been called Island of Reanimator that would have been a takeoff on the Isle of Dr. Moreau, the H.G. Wells story. Sadly, that never came to fruition. They did do a stage version of Reanimator that was very well reviewed. There is a review of it on the Retroist site and an interview with Gordon while Herbert West, at least the Combs version of West, wouldn't make it to the big screen or small screen again. He would appear in various comics. A real fun one, if you like comics, was Dynamite Entertainment's Army of Darkness versus Reanimator, in which Ash Williams of the Evil Dead series confronts West from Reanimator. And that is basically a dream I have of seeing the characters, but more aptly, the actors, who were two actors I really enjoy, Bruce Campbell and Jeffrey Combs, appear in a film together. I would take that as a buddy comedy, a buddy horror film, whatever they got. If you want to put those two together, I'd be happy to pay my money to see them. Reanimator is a crazy film to watch, and it's based on a pretty crazy premise. And the brilliant thing about how it was handled by Stuart Gordon is he recognized the innate humor of what was going on and doesn't try to shy away from it. It's over-the-top humor, it's gross, 
It's bloody, but if you like that sort of thing, it's also a lot of fun. And I think it's fun to look back on films like this because they were a genre for a while, comedy horror, and they're still out there. People are making them. A lot of them go straight to streaming. But it's important to see the early ones, these people who were coming up with the concepts that in the 80s would really take off. So do yourself a favor and fire up Reanimator this weekend. It's got a great cast, a great group of people behind it, and it's just a fun movie to watch. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at retroist.com. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you like what you hear, you should follow Peachy on Twitter. He's at peachypixel8. That's the word peachy, the word pixel, and the number eight. Make sure you tell him how much you enjoy his music. If you have some time and you like the show, please drop by wherever you downloaded the show and give it a good review. It really helps other people find the show. If you would like to support the Retroist podcast, the Retroist is on Patreon. Supporters of the show get member-only episodes, bonus tracks, access to the Retroist Discord, which has been described by me as the greatest retro community on the internet. And the support means a lot to me. And it also helps keep the show ad-free. So if you have a moment, drop by patreon.com slash retroist and check out what's going on there. I'd like to thank a couple of supporters, Gerald Shivers, Jonathan Nelson, Eric Lefebvre, Greg Sargent, and Daniel Saracini. Thanks to all of you. You're great people, and I'm glad to have you aboard. Thanks everyone for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. Of Herbert West, who was my friend in college and in afterlife, I can speak only with extreme terror. This terror is not due altogether to the sinister manner of his recent disappearance, but was engendered by the whole nature of his life work and first gained its acute form more than 17 years ago when we were in the third year of our course at the Miskatonic University Medical School in Arkham. That is just two sentences. That is very Lovecraft. This has been a retrospective. Goodbye.